thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we discuss criminal cases that involve some factor of abuse. Our goal is to spread awareness of abuse that could be taking place around any of us and encourage everyone to take responsibility and report if they see a child or an adult being abused. It was a Friday night in Tucson, Arizona, January 7th, 2005. A 30-year-old man named Richard Peter Rodriguez sat at his kitchen table, loading several 13-round magazines for his 40 caliber Glock handgun with Golden Saber hollow point bullets. As he listened to Sum 41's new album, Chuck, he talked into his rolling camera. This is my weapon of choice. I only want it for one purpose. That is for taking out the scum. My own mother. How can you do that to kids and sleep at night? This man was craving revenge for something. He had been hurt and couldn't move on with his life until he got it. What could have possibly happened to him that made him feel this need to kill his own mother? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And tonight we have quite a doozy of a case um last week someone asked us what case we've covered that's messed us up the most or stuck with us the most and uh if i would have been as well researched on this case when we got that question as i am now i would have picked this one because uh there's a lot of really messed up stuff in here and uh so yeah. take that as a warning um that it's going to get tough to listen to so mm-hmm. if you are extra sensitive be sure you heed our um disclaimer at the beginning <laughs> yeah this is going to be an episode that we really mean it when we read off our disclaimer in the beginning of the episode This one's got some tough stuff in it. Yeah, so you may have heard of the Children of God. It's a pretty famous cult. Um, A lot of people have covered it. I think Parcast has covered it. Mm -hmm. Last Podcast has covered it. So uh, it's a pretty famous cult, but this episode is focused on just one person that was born into that cult. Richard Rodriguez, otherwise known as Davidito. And real quick before we get started, uh, we want to let you know that our second premium Patreon episode is now available. And what is it about, Rosie? It is about Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah. So if that interests you at all, definitely recommend going to check out our Patreon linked in the show notes or Mm -hmm. on our Instagram or Pretty much anywhere. It's patreon.com slash VOV podcast. And if you don't know who that is, because I didn't, even though it's supposedly pretty popular case, I'll give you a little taster. 
He's got a glass eye. His dad has no legs. And his mom was a real bee. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good summary. Thanks. <laughs> so we'll continue from where we left off in the intro after he was all revved up. You want to begin? Sure. Ricky was thirsty for revenge on his mother, but at the time he had no idea where she was living. So he decided to reach out to one of his mother's close acquaintances, her former secretary, Angela Smith. She agreed to meet with him for dinner. On the night of the 7th, as Ricky spoke alone into his camera and loaded his handgun, he asked desperately, Where is our apology? They're not even sorry. He talked about how the only way he would be able to go on with his life is if somebody killed his mother, Karen. Yeah, he talked about how the last four years had felt like a lifetime to him as he tried to get over the past. He said, Every day has been a little worse than the day before. It's a need for revenge. It's a need for justice, because I can't go on like this. After he wrapped up this video, Ricky called up his old friend Tiago in New Mexico and let him know that he'd be sending him the video he just made, but wouldn't spoil anything about the contents of the video. Tiago asked, Did you find your mom? And Ricky replied, I found the solution. It's all in the video. After this, Tiago commented on how Ricky actually sounded happy for a change. And Ricky replied, yeah, I'm drunk. <laughs> so Tiago was actually suspicious that Ricky was up to no good, but he had no idea just how sinister Ricky's plans were. Can we just say for a moment how long this video was? Yeah, it was about an hour long. Okay. I mean, it's decently I've a long video. It could have been longer. I can't remember. I thought it was exactly. longer. I thought it was like two hours. Yeah, it was pretty long. Him loading his gun. and Very stealing. eerie. Yeah. Angela Smith showed up to Ricky's apartment in Tucson. She wore black pants and a gray top. When she arrived, Ricky spoke to her about the abuses that he had suffered and how his pain would not go away. Angela didn't seem to understand what he was talking about and didn't get why he was so angry. So it's not known for sure, but it's most likely that this is when Ricky asked her where his mother was, and she refused to tell him. Whatever their conversation was, it ended in a very ugly way. It's likely that Ricky was very frustrated that she wouldn't help him find his mother, and he tried to torture it out of her, which is scary to think about, but... Eventually, his anger took control of him. Ricky took his knife and stabbed Angela Smith five times. Then, he slit her throat to make sure she was dead. There must have been an intense struggle at this scene, because one of her shoes got flung off of her foot. Afterwards, Ricky tossed the murder weapon under the sofa and fled. So, obviously, this is a terrible thing to do to somebody. How could anyone justify this in their own minds? Well, we mentioned how Ricky told Angela about how broken he was from some abuse he had faced in the past. So now we're going to go back and try to understand exactly what led up to these horrific events. Under the sofa does not seem like the brightest spot. Yeah, but I don't think that... He was worried about it? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the birth of Davidito. 
So before we get into the nasty details, we just want to set the stage here. Ricky had been raised as the Messiah of the cult known as the Children of God, which was led by David Berg. He was not actually the son of David Berg, but a son of Karen Zerby and a man that she had seduced while participating in the ritual they used to, <laughs> to extend the cult called flirty fishing. I just yeah. laugh every time I say flirty fishing. It sounds so dumb. Yeah, and really quick, flirty fishing was one of David Berg's bright ideas for gaining new members, uh, where existing members would seduce and sleep with random people, oftentimes getting pregnant because the cult banned the use of birth control, and then using these relationships as a hook to get new followers. Um, they went by such prestigious titles as God's Whores or Hookers for Jesus. <laughs> what the heck? Um, also, Karen Zerby is David Berg's wife. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. So this kind of gives you an idea of the kind of cult this was. It's very much centered around sex. If women ever objected to participating in flirty fishing, they would be warned not to let self and pride enter in and reminded that their bodies didn't really belong to them. Yeah, they would twist the meaning of 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 about our lives being, quote-unquote, bought with a price by Jesus, and they'd use it to justify forcing these women to degrade themselves. But there's just one tiny problem here. Jesus never advocated for expansion by manipulative sexual exploits. This is the true danger of a cult, when they can somehow interweave scriptures with their own ideas and make their followers believe their words are equal to God's. So anyway, this is what led to Davidito's birth. While the group was flirty fishing, they had been staying at the Bel Air Hotel in... Tenerife. Thank you which is a small island of Spain off the coast of Morocco and Western Sahara. While they were there, Karen Zerby had apparently had sex with 18 different workers at the hotel, a grand total of 137 times. Keep in mind, she was David Berg's wife. But, but that, that did not matter. <laughs> no, that is how this cult works, as you'll find out as we go on. Yes. So... <laughs> Ricky was the son of one of the waiters at the hotel named Carlos. But David Berg just referred to Carlos as Ricky's <laughs> flesh daddy. That's icky. Yeah. That's so icky. Just a bit more of a preface. The This cult was very sex-centric, like we mentioned, and it was common for married people and families to have quote-unquote sharing parties, which was basically an orgy between couples, families, and pretty much anyone. So as we share details of Ricky's childhood, know the kind of environment he was living in. David Berg would even have sharing parties with his own children and their spouses. Yeah, it's a really messed up cult, and if you want more information on the cult itself, it's been covered by a few other podcasts, like we mentioned in the beginning, but we're focusing mostly on Ricky, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Davidito, and the story of abuse. And just to reiterate, reiterate, <laughs> Ricky is Davidito. I had a hard time with that at first. Yeah. Ricky is Davidito. Davidito is Ricky. Thank you, because sometimes I forget um, that when you're listening to a podcast for the first time and you haven't done all the research, 
It's hard to keep all the names straight. Well, when I listened to another podcast, I was like, who is Rick? Uh, <laughs> so now I know. I'm Bonnie Lee, the host of Writing About Crime, a Canadian true crime podcast that looks for the story behind criminal cases. The people, the places, and the events that join together to create a narrative, not a scoop. I am not reading you the news. I am writing about crime. I hope you'll join me on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Everybody has a story, and not all of those stories are clear black and white issues, even when we think they are. We wonder, how did this happen? Or what is that like? Or what happens next? Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at IWB Podcast. So Sarah Kelly and her husband Alfred were Davidito's primary caretakers. A lot of information we are going to share about Ricky Peter Rodriguez is directly from the story of Davidito, which was basically a journal that Sarah Kelly kept of the early development of the heir to the children of God. His name was Ricky, but they called him Davidito as a child. That was his chosen one title. Yeah, it's crazy, but this book was actually published by the cult to be used as a child-raising manual. It was commissioned by um, David Berg to, uh, like I said, make a child-raising manual. Mm -hmm. And they sent it out to several communes within the cult, and it directly led to an innumerable amount of children being sexually abused by adults. And, yeah. So this is what we'll be reading from about mm -hmm. his childhood. So we've already said this twice now, but we're going to give another warning of the sensitive topics that we're going to talk about that includes a lot of sexual child abuse. Um, we're going to be trying to share exactly the kind of things that Ricky Rodriguez had to go through as a child and exactly why he was so messed up as a grown-up. Yeah. So David Berg had a long series of letters that he wrote to his followers, commonly called the Mo Letters. But in one of them entitled Sex Jewels, <laughs> David Berg made a few statements that are a good preface for the things we're about to share. So this isn't from the Book of Davidito, but from one of his Mo Letters. Mm -hmm. Do you want to read what it said? Okay. I'm just going to go for it here, okay? Okay. We believe in liberty, in our family, and in our home. I really don't understand it when people come here and say, Ah, we've never seen so much love, never felt so loved. We've never experienced so much wonderful, sweet love, and so on. Now I feel good about it in a way, but it really makes me feel sad and sorrowful to think that they had come all the way here to find the kind of love that I thought was existing in all of our homes. That's really sad. It just makes me almost weep when you say that, to think you had to come here to find it. 
that it's not in your home. It hasn't been in your home. You don't find it in others of your homes. That's really sad. Wow, you're a good reader, Rosie. So here, David is basically saying that he should be able to do whatever he wants in his own home because it makes him so happy. Mm-hmm. And this includes having sexual contact with his children and other family members. And then he went on to say, We have a little orgy now and then. We don't publicize it or do it in front of reporters, although we have had it in front of a few guests. As long as it's all in the family, why not? I haven't hidden Davidito. I have made him an example to the whole world. I haven't hid all of our exploits in FFing or flirty fishing and sex. I have told you all about them. I don't think I've left any of them out. None. Why the hell are you hiding yours? So now he's shaming any of his followers that don't want to participate in the same kind of gross stuff he was doing. And then after this, he follows it up. I encourage you to have the same freedom. I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't know why you think there's anything wrong with sex. God created it. He made every nerve that feels good. So why are you so timid and so hesitant and so ashamed and so bashful, especially with your own family of all things? For God's sake, why do you think I would encourage your having sex with total strangers to win them to the Lord if we weren't having perfect sexual freedom at home? I mean it. So this guy's trying so hard to justify to himself all the disgusting things he was doing. I mean, if he really thought it was okay, he wouldn't have been trying so hard to justify it to his followers. Clearly, many of them weren't okay with it. So let's get into the terrible things that Davidito and many other children in the cult had to endure. Like we mentioned, these details are straight from the story of Davidito the journal-slash-child-raising manual that Ricky's caretaker wrote. We'll just be reading short excerpts because it was a long book illustrated with pictures of Ricky and with his creepy adult caretakers. Sketches were drawn over their faces to protect their identities. Another red flag that showed they knew this was wrong. In Chapter 4, Sarah wrote about how David Berg commissioned her to start a child care revolution and write lessons using Davidito as an example. Anyone who cared for Davidito was to keep a thorough daily record of his activities and handling because, quote, someday you'll be writing his story to share with the world, and you must be faithful with this responsibility because many young parents and children's workers will be waiting to hear about what we did with our child. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that may be true. But not for the reasons you were thinking, buddy. He seriously had Sarah convinced that this book would have would become the Bible of child-rearing. It's ridiculous. In chapter 13, around the time Ricky was 10 months old, Sarah shared a disturbing story about Ricky. She wrote, While crawling around nude in the yard after his swim, he began to play with his little peenie right in front of the guests. Nobody said anything, but I can imagine what they were thinking. Of course, we have had to comment to Davidito that he should not play with his peony in public. But inside the house is a better place. Even at a year old, 
I think that was one of his favorite reasons for going naked. So here they're not discouraging him from running around naked and playing with himself, but instead just encouraging him to do it in the house and not in public. They have this underlying shame about how they're raising this boy. It's really obvious. And they're trying to keep it private while pretending to be really proud of it at the same time. It's pretty weird. In chapter 20, when Devdito was 13 months old, Sarah wrote about how another one of his nannies, Sally, was naked while she dressed him one morning. And he, quote, looked up and studied the situation real carefully before he reached up and turned each quote-unquote knob to see if she'd turn on. Huh? (sighs) Thanks for making me read these parts. (laughs) I can read some if you want. I think I'm kind of good at it. Yeah, you are. (laughs) But... Uh, I know we're we're laughing, but it's not. No. Because it's not. we think it's funny. It's because it's so ridiculous that she would write this. Because it's so sad. For a thirteen month old, reaching for a mother figure's breast can be a completely normal and natural thing. It's a normal desire for a baby to want to be nursed by their mother. But his real mother, Karen Zerby, was pretty absent when it came to raising Davidito. It's just said that he was craving a motherly connection, and these sickos were interpreting it in a sexual way, and using his actions to justify their own, and make themselves believe he wanted sexual contact. So, when Davidito was 14 months old, Sarah wrote, Davidito is so jealous when Alfred and I begin loving up, and tries to pull us apart. So the best thing for now is that we just not make love in front of him. Davidito loves to watch Dave and Sally go at it, though. He begins to pant and bounce along with them, then sits down in exhaustion with a big sigh when it's all over, just like he's been through it, too. Ugh. That's so gross. Oh, it's really beginning to get messed up, because Mm -hmm. up until this point, it was maybe eh, innocent enough, kids will be kids, but now it's just completely wrong. These couples would have their little sharing parties right in front of Davidito, and they'd praise him for getting into it. Mm-hmm. It honestly made me tear up when I first read it because it's so far from okay, but somehow it continues to get worse. When Davidito was 17 months of age, Sarah wrote, Little David stood watching through the pool fence as a couple made love in the water. He imitated every motion by wiggling his bottom and his right hand up and down, then went into the house to show Mommy the story of how to goose a girl. Huh. <sighs> this the, the environment that this kid is growing up in is so messed up. Mm-hmm. It's just sex is everywhere. It's the most prevalent thing in the community here. Right. And like you said before, sex is the center of this cult. Yeah. I think that's pretty obvious now. Sarah continued in this same letter. He's still jealous when Alfred and I love up. Daddy says he has been in love with me from the beginning. And just so you know, Daddy is what the cult members call David Berg. So, um, like you said earlier, with Ricky and Mm -hmm. Davidito, Daddy is David Berg. David Berg is Daddy. Gross. 
When he saw he wasn't getting our full-time attention because we were busy in bed, he left his room and hid under the dining room table to pout. He knew that if he hid, we would have to stop and find him. So around the time Davidito was 14 months old, Sarah had given birth to a girl. David Berg had them name her Davida, destined to be with Davidito, and together they'd carry on the legacy of the children of God. Well, three months later, Sarah made an entry all excited about him imitating sex with her three-month-old baby. Yuck. So, please, we are warning you, if you don't want to hear these really cringy and awful events, now is the time to turn this off. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading it upbeat because this is what she wanted it to be. Yeah. Not because I'm... Yes, please be clear that Rosie is not (laughs) reading this as Rosie. She's reading it as uh, Sarah would have written it. Yeah. What was running through Sarah's mind while she wrote it. And what the cult readers were supposed to be looking at it as. Yes. So this this is really disturbing. She wrote... He finally found something he thinks the baby is good for. He climbs up on the bed when she's propped there on a pillow and crawls right on top of her and begins hunching away. They both love it, really. Even when he sees a picture of her in his photo book, he'll begin hunching on the side of the couch and he'll keep his fingers stuck in the place where her photos are in the, be- in the book so he can keep turning back to it and smile and pump away. What the crap? This was her daughter, her baby. Now, as we continue, remember that mommy and daddy is what the cult followers called Karen Zerby and David Berg. And we apologize in advance for all of this. The same entry continues. Mommy and Daddy just didn't believe us until they watched for themselves one time. He climbed on top of Davida, lying on the couch, and began banging away with a big smile. Daddy stood there, at first a bit awed, then felt Dito's little peenie and said, I never would have believed it if I didn't feel how hard he really is. Don't say we didn't warn you. It... And I didn't mean odd as an O-D-D. It says odd as in he was in awe of the situation. Oh, my gosh. It just feels so wrong to be reading this. Yeah. Like, Speak for yourself. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'm the one who researched it, and I was reading this stupid book for, like, seven hours, and I... Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I was just like, oh. Well, in the pictures. This poor kid. It's like child porn. Yeah, it is. And what we're reading is, as we'll talk about later, the redacted version, mm-hmm. the cleaned up version. So <clears throat> so that just tells you something. So a lot of other podcasts that, well, every other podcast that I've heard about this case has omitted all these details that we're sharing today um, because it's Gross. nasty. But... We really feel it's necessary to be to truly be able to understand the twisted way that Ricky was raised because mm-hmm. um, I think he deserves his own story to be told with right. all the crap 
And they screwed him over so bad. There were so many kids in this cult that grew up relatively the same way that Ricky was raised. But I do think it's important for us to talk about Ricky's story specifically because of all the other stuff that happened later on in his life and how he's judged for it. Yeah. And I mean, this book was a template for how to raise all the children in the cult. So yeah, a lot of other ones you can assume had to deal with the same crap. This same entry continues. Dido calls the baby Baba. So that name has stuck with her since because he is quote, enjoying and quote her so much. He sometimes tries to get her out of trouble. When she begins to cry real hard, he'll run over and tap her on the shoulder, then fold his hands and nod his head with those big widened eyes as if to tell her, hey, you better stop crying because Sarah can really spank. When sitting in his high chair, he oftentimes reaches out and pulls down my bikini bottom in front to see what's inside. One day, he decided to try it on one of our Spanish sisters, Belen. And when she acted quite surprised, he blew her a sweet kiss with a great, big, cute smile. So Why is she wearing bikini bottoms to feed him in a high chair? That is a good question. But that kind of sums up this cult, because people were either in bikinis or nighties or naked. Yeah. Seems like. And this last entry really shows how much this book was meant to glorify the sexualization of children. Sarah clearly didn't do anything to try to stop him from pulling her bikini bottoms down because she said he would do it often, and then he tried it on someone else. Mm -hmm. If she ever did try to stop him or reprimand him for it, he wouldn't have tried it on someone else. So this... This is what really makes it so sad, because none of the adults in this cult would ever admit to wrongdoing. And this version of the story of Davidito that we have is info from the sanitized version, like I already mentioned. They actually destroyed all the original copies of this book, and what we've been reading is the heavily redacted version. So, can you imagine what the full story of Davidito really was? This version is incriminating on its own, but it's about to get worse again. Yeah, I can't believe that this is the redacted version, but it is the truth. And it really is just going to get worse from here on out. So brace yourselves for this part. In chapter 36, entitled Learning Fun at 20 Months, Sarah writes, He gets quite excited when I wash his bottom and his peenie gets real big and hard. I kiss it all over till he gets so excited he bursts into laughter and spreads his legs open for more. I wonder what it's going to be like when he begins to talk and asks me for more. This is so gross. Yes, it is. This feels so nasty just hearing it. And we apologize to our listeners who have stuck with us this far because it's so disturbingly wrong. But it continues... When playing on the floor, he oftentimes spreads his legs open for me to kiss his penis, what we call his peenie. He got to where he liked it so much, he'd pull people by the hand down onto the floor and would spread his legs apart for the treatment. So the abuse was starting to make him kind of obsessed with sex. He wasn't even two years old, and he was already getting obsessed. And why wouldn't he be if... 
every adult in his life was like encouraging and you know giving yeah. him he's being taught that this is where pleasure comes from mm -hmm. it's such a shame because they're taking away his ability to experience the childlike wonder that normal kids get to experience this isn't something a child is supposed to understand and we'll see as he got older life continued to just get darker as it went on for him we often say how important it is to educate children about these things, but not like this. This is absolutely not what we mean. Mm -hmm. Chapter 45, entitled Bed Bugs, when Davidito was two years and four months, was pretty lengthy. Sarah wrote, Now, if I share with you some of Davidito's sexy experiences, will you try prayerfully and cautiously to benefit from the lessons learned? and follow the Lord's leadings and possibly sharing the same kind of gentle love and fun without stumbling your little sheep? No. You know, some things have been omitted from the story simply because it's sometimes hard to explain the exact situation in words without your actually being there to experience it with us. I would hate to know what they omitted. Sex is a beautiful, God-given, wonderful part of life. We enjoy together, and we'd love to share it with you, as long as you don't use it as a, an occasion to the flesh, whatever that means, and in some way that could actually harm or confuse the children. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Doesn't that piss you off? It's oftentimes the little ones who suffer through our big people mistakes. Yeah. So we'll attempt to share a few of our experiences with you, not so that you will try to do exactly what we do, but because it's part of little David's life story. Praise the Lord. How can they possibly think that they're going about this in a way that's not harming this child? Or confusing them. Yeah. It's pretty clear by how he ended up that even if they thought they were doing this the right way, quote unquote right way, it messed him up pretty freaking badly. On the 28th of April after nap time, Alfred, Davidito, and I were all loving up when Dito looked at me with those big, dreamy, canarian black eyes and said, Sarah, I wub you, pulled me down to kiss him, then pushed my head down to kiss some more. It all developed so gently and lovingly that he was really affectionate, eyes closed. Ew. So guess what happened? For a bouncing climax, huh? He spoke out in excited foreign tongues. He sounded very gypsy, similar to Abraham. Afterwards, he lay still in my arms to rest and even reached out to love Alfred around the neck, too, thanking him for sharing. My gosh, how old is he at this like 28th? Like two years old. Oh, my God. Now, often when we lie on the bed together to read a book, sometimes just at the point. Sorry. This was, he was two years and four months. Okay. But still. Okay, two years and four months. Now, often when we lie on the bed together to read a book, sometimes just at the point when I think he's really listening and interested, he'll look at me with those beautiful flirty eyes again so that I know what he wants. Or he'll put his arm around me and say, Sarah, come love me up big. Oh, oh my gosh. <sighs> And this is why we do the podcast, because he is a victim. Yeah. 
he, no matter how disgusting the story is, it needs to be shared because, I mean, he's like the absolute definition of a victim. Yeah, of someone, um, what's the term they use for when, oh, grooming. Mm -hmm. Someone who was groomed from birth, like right out of the womb, he was groomed to be an object of abuse. Right. So she's straight up telling the story of having sexual intercourse with a two-year-old. I don't know any other way to interpret this. It's freaking disgusting. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. In the next chapter, when Davidito was the same age, Sarah wrote, Several days, Davidito was very whiny and nostalgic, asking to see 14-month-old Davida again. Davida joined us in Portugal. Dito also tries to pick her up or jump on top of her and hunch away, but she'll bat him off like a heavyweight champ. He'll just try again until we eventually break up the brawl. Ha! He's finally found a girlfriend his own size. I'm sorry, but did she just laugh about this two-year-old sexually assaulting her 14-month-old baby? She called it breaking up a brawl instead of trying to protect her baby from sexual assault. I can't say it enough, but the way these children were raised is so unfair to them. I feel so awful that they had to endure this, and I don't see how anyone could hold Davidito accountable for sexual assault. Obviously, this is what he was trained and encouraged to do, and poor Davida had to be a victim. And even as a 14-month-old baby, she still had the reflex to bat him away. <sighs> anyway, in chapter 49, when Davidito was two and a half, it pretty much let us know that if we had any doubts about sexual contact before, we can drop them here. Sarah wrote, For music lessons and exercise, we often dance in the basement to recorded music and act out the motions to the lyrics in the song. He often asks me to do cartwheels and to dance for him while he watches soberly. Maybe because I dance topless or nudie most of the time, huh? Another thing he reminds me of what daddy would do as a little boy is when Davidito acts very anxious to take his nap nowadays. He'll eagerly get in bed and lie quietly under his sheet and play with his peenie. I think lately he prefers that more than to have me do it for him. When he gets out of bed, his panties are down around his ankles, so we'll just have to make sure his hands are clean before bedtime. And on two different occasions, I've discovered him under the living room table, on his back, with his pants down around his knees, busy again. Whatever turns him on. So there's no question about it this time. She just straight up admitted to touching him for nap time. People should have been held accountable for this terrible mistreatment of Davidito. But they never were. And that's where we'll pick back up next week and finish telling the story of this poor boy who was driven to kill by his gross abuse and the story behind the man that started this terrible sex cult in the first place, David Berg. So, just kind of shake off that story. It's a pretty heavy one. (sighs) <sighs> wash my mouth out with soap after this i know all the things that i read sadly it's gonna get worse next week <laughs> but i want to highlight how important we feel it is to show this side of the story 
because although it's really icky and people might think that we went a little too far in reading it out loud to our listeners, it's real and it happened to somebody, a lot of people, really. Yeah. But this is the boy who the story is about. This is his childhood. Like this actually happened. It's important for people to realize what this cult was all about and that he wasn't just the monster you think of from the news. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. I couldn't have said it any better. It was, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> um, so anyway, we'll just let that all sink in with you. And do we have anything to lighten the mood? We have a new patron. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to, okay, we're so excited to thank our new patron, mm-hmm. Stacy. Stacy Lang. Yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, you made our week. Yes. So thank you so much. And we have another one. We're still waiting to hear back from you if you want a shout out or not. We do want to respect our patrons' privacy. Yes. But we are very thankful for you, too. You know who you are for now. <laughs> yep. So, um, again, thank you so much, Stacy. Thank you, all of our patrons, so much. And thank you. Everyone that's listening, you're all awesome. I really love our fans because mm-hmm. they're, I mean, the majority of them are really good people. Mm-hmm. We just and, got a really nice five-star review, and it said, I want to hear more of Rosie's voice. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I re- tell, tell them exactly what it said. I don't remember what it said. It said, want to hear more of Rosie and less of Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really funny and keep teasing Ryan Ryan about it. I think it's funny too. <laughs> but it was five star. Yeah. Thank you for keeping that five star and still giving us some critique because and boosting my confidence. I agree with you. Him. I would like to hear more Rosie and less Ryan as well. <laughs> we also got another really nice five star review from our patron, our newest patron. Oh yeah. That so, one's she just like, made our day with fellow cat parent. Stacy, we love you. Uh-huh. Um, and we got one naughty, mean review, but we won't talk about that. I liked it. Did you? Wait, which one? The, the one, one about being like, uneducated? We suck because we don't know how to pronounce words. Oh. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> I guess well, you're right. Okay, that leads me to why I was saying that our fans are nice people. Because anyone who's willing to listen to two uneducated Goofy weirdos talk about the things we talk about. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are generally pretty nice. And if... Are they? If us being uneducated makes them not want to listen to us, then I don't really want them listening to us anyway. And we've had some really nice people tell us in a really nice way how to pronounce words. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys, too. Yeah. Um, oh, there's the cat. <laughs> we're trying to. <laughs> oh, he's got my chapstick. Yeah, Burrito is really obsessed with chapstick. And if you haven't seen Burrito, you can see him on our face or not Facebook on our Instagram video that Ryan just put up. It's so cute. Yeah, Rosie was out of the house and um, <laughs> walking around with my socks. <laughs> yeah, Burrito was carrying her socks around like crying. <laughs> it was really cute, but. Um, did we already 
say that we have a new Patreon episode? I guess we did at the beginning, but we before we... thought we did. No, we did at the beginning. Oh, okay. But before we go, we just want to remind people that we've released our second premium Patreon episode um, on Henry Lee Lucas. Yes. So if you are in our patron, you better get your boot, patootie booty in a year and sign up. $2 and more can listen to our now second new Patreon yeah, episode. Yeah, you'll get two bonus episodes immediately if you sign up for $2 a month. Woohoo! Which, and yeah. you get other stuff, too. And, and we may or may not have a brand new shipment of mugs. Yeah, we're getting some cool new mugs. Um, we'll keep you guys updated on that. But if you're a patron, you'll be you'll automatically get a code uh, for our store once we launch it that will give you a certain percentage off that's pre not determined yet. So don't get too excited. It's well well off in the future. Yes. Um, is there anything else? No. All right. Well, thank you for sticking with us during this difficult episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Mm, yeah. Maybe be grateful for what you got. That yeah. your parents didn't want to have an orgy with you. Oh, yeah. That's... Honestly. Well, hopefully, I mean... And if you... You never know. Someone might be listening people. to this who has gone through something like that. And if you are, I'm very sorry. It's really yeah. terrible. But I'm gl- grateful that it didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, All thank right. you guys so much again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. See ya. Bye. In five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. And this is Daniel. And I'm Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know what a Hoosier is. Do you? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Great. We don't need to look anything up. (laughs) Go to Wikipedia and type in Alabama Hot Pocket. No, don't do that. And that'll tell you what a Hoosier is. Just come listen to us. You'll find out. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Hoosier Homicide. You can also download any episode you prefer off of Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. We tell true crime stories with some random connection to our home state of Indiana. So come listen. That's what she said. For the love of God. (laughs) And for honest to goodness, stay stay out out of the the corn. corn. Pretty good.